2: Call Quit Drugs 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, live from the West Coast, it's time for Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Your inside look into combat sports. Ring Talk Live Worldwide is brought to you by the World Boxing Council, the WBC. And now, the host of the longest-running fight show in radio and Internet history.
2: I rode with him. I know what an idiot this guy
3: is. Pedro Fernandez. Hey, Pedro, how you doing? Good evening to everybody out
4: there listening to the show. Dames caballeros, bienvenidos. Ladies and gentlemen, coming at you from the multi-million dollar sports by Live Studios. Check it. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC-TV. Often imitated but hardly duplicated, 37 to make death, 38 plus years now of knocking out all bums. Who am I? My name is Pedro Fernandez. I am your ever so modest host when I say modestly capital. Straight up, I'm a four-time Golden Glove champion and an award-winning writer. So supposedly, allegedly, I'm supposed to know something about boxing. But guess what? I've always found out the average fan may know a little bit more. So I open up the toll for you at at the top of each hour and give you the opportunity to impart if you'd like. The number, 1 800 878 7529. That's 1 800 878 7529. That's the listener line. Of course, you can text us here in the studio with that number, 415 275 1613. The text line here, once again in the studio, 415 275 1613. Well, David Benavides, what can I say? We'll talk about that in depth. Of course, the number one challenger to Canelo Alvarez, the undefeated, I take that back, the once beaten world champion, 168 pounds undefeated Benavides last night rolling over Kyron Davis uh was supposed to do that but we've got some questions about Mr. David Benavides and of course I talked to some significant people in the world of boxing this morning and they all say the same thing he has no footwork and if you have no footwork you're not the complete deal bottom line is some people think he can be tweaked other people think he's just a limited commodity straight up we'll find out that and more today on Ring Talk Live Worldwide. We expect the retired HBO godfather at about 20 minutes past the hour. I'm talking about Mr. Larry Merchant. That and more today on Ring Talk Live Worldwide on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio, Sirius XM, Satellite Radio, of course, Twitch.tv, the Sports Byline USA channel, WBC TV, and Veeve TV. We got it all going on. This is Ring Talk.
6: always up for some fun with the family. So you order the essentials, a new board game, some baking supplies, and even a new projector for outdoor movie night. And with the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card, you can choose to earn 3% cash back on online shopping, which could increase to up to 5.25% as a preferred rewards member. Rewards which you can put toward an extra treat that everyone will enjoy, like an old-fashioned popcorn machine. Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding and apply now. Copyright 2021 Bank of America Corporation.
7: Here
10: Steelman pills. Things weren't always looking up, if you catch my drift. So, my doctor prescribed me a little something. Like Viagra? Yeah, but that's expensive and it wasn't covered by my insurance. Steelman pills cost me less than three bucks a pill and virtually the same effect. I just called and got over 40 pills for only $99. Uh, I have this friend who might be looking and... Well, if your friend wants some help, the consultation is free over the phone. No clinic. Steelman pills sends it in the mail in a confidential package.
9: I'm on it.
11: I I mean my v- friend will be on
10: it steel man pills going the
2: extra mile to help men with erectile dysfunction 800-399-3691 800-399-3691 800-399-3691 that's 800-399-3691
3: now more of ring talk with pedro fernandez
4: Nothing new in the Sports Byline Studios except for the, you know, the Twitch.tv thing crashed again. I am so tired of Twitch.tv, I'm going to say this live on the air. It's the worst streaming system I've ever been in contact with in my entire life. It crashes all the time. The audio doesn't work half the time. The bottom line is Twitch, to me, has been an entire waste of time. Bottom line is we're trying to do things with Veve TV, and hopefully this show will end up on Veve TV this week as part of WBC TV. Who am I once again? My name is Pedro Fernandez. Welcome to Ring Talk Live World worldcast well, you Your Inside Look into the World of Boxing and MMA. A little bit later we'll hear from David Benavides, of course, last night, a winner over Mr. Davis. And you know, and I I didn't mean to 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 knock a Kyron Davis. I mean, he really came and he was fighting a guy that was better than him. He was fighting a guy that was bigger and better than him. And the bottom line is, you know, the odds were stacked against him it was sort of like taking on a guy that he wasn't going to win the fight no matter. Maybe if he had three hands, maybe four hands, he might have won the fight. I mean, David Benavides is an explosive puncher. He's a punishing guy. Of course, he doesn't really get you out there with one shot, but he throws his punches together and puts them in bunches. And, of course, Mr. Davis last night, uh, Kyron, I, I give him props. I mean, he was a brave guy. There was no doubt about it. And whatever he made, it wasn't enough money. Of course, now David Benavides 25-0, 21 KO, 22 KOs. Of course, Mr. Davis dropping to 16-3 and now. One draw with six KOs, of course, coming to us. The fight came to us from Phoenix, Arizona. It was a very pro Benavidez crowd, no doubt about that. I mean, that's where he's from, Arizona, no doubt, you know. So it was a pro Benavidez crowd, but... The man in the background is the king of boxing. I'm talking about Canelo Alvarez. That's what everybody was talking about. Benavides and Canelo Alvarez. Benavides and Canelo Alvarez. Well, I talked with a few boxing experts this morning. Hector Martinez was talking about the bad footwork of Mr. Benavidez. And then I called Eddie Croft. And what did Eddie Croft? First thing out of Eddie Croft's man, mouth apart. Eddie Cross, one of the best trainers pound for pound in the world. In fact, he'll be in the studios next week with one of his guys. Or maybe I'll have him bring one of his kids in here. I'm talking about one of his you know, children. Haven't bring one of those fighters down here. Haven't bring one of those children with. Anyway, bottom line is Eddie Croft will be probably in the studio next week. But Eddie said that the footwork was so lame that he could just see sees Canelo just rolling all over him. It's like a one sided fight because if you can't put your entire package together, you're in trouble. And that's what Benavidez, I mean, Benavidez can punch, you know, he can, not the one-punch power, but he's gonna, he puts them together. He can get people out of there. There's no doubt about it. I mean, 22 KOs and 25 wins, and he's fought some good guys, some decent guys. He's held the WBC super middleweight title before losing it on the scale, I believe. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, Eddie questions his conditioning. And I, I thought that well, you know, why would you question his conditioning? Eddie thought he looked soft. Eddie said he isn't going through the mo he's going through the motions, he's not really training. In other words, you know, um I know what that's about because I've tried to train guys. And when you try to train guys, you can't get them to do what you want to do or do what you did. In other words, when I was training guys for the, for the Golden Gloves, for amateurs, the amateur fights in this net, I tried to put them through the same rigmarole that I went through, that Hector and I went through as growing up as kids. And, you know, that means running the lake and running mountains and that kind of good stuff and sprints and jump rope. And I'm, I mean, just absolutely being fanatical about it because you wanted to be in the very best condition. It was all about conditioning. And this is all about conditioning. I remember the first time I, I lost that first fight with Eddie, Eddie Smith at the Boys Club in South City. I think it was 1973, 74, somewhere around there. But my mother, she was the only fight she ever watched in full. And she said to me, she said, um, you're not going to embarrass me. I said, embarrass you? What are you talking about? She goes, you got tired. I said, mom, embarrass you because I got tired? She goes, no, you're not going to embarrass me. You're not going to embarrass yourself. If you want to box, you're going to have to be like 300% into this. You're going to have to run, 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 and run some more because I wasn't a big guy on running before that. Okay. But after that fight, I did. And of course, mom was my running coach and she would run me up Westboro Boulevard in South city, which is like straight up. And then you like sprint like three, about three-quarters of a mile over to the uh, 7-Eleven, half a mile over to the 7-Eleven. The bottom line is it was a hell of a run. So when I had guys that I wanted to develop as amateur fighters, and one guy is a pro, um, I said to him, this is what we're going to do. And they say, okay, okay, okay. And they all say, okay, 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 until they see it, until they're they're faced with the mountain, feel their face with Westboro Boulevard. Once they get there, it's sort of like they wilt. They wilt. The only one that was able to run that hill and uh, win a Golden Glove title besides Hector and myself was Lenny Albert. He, he did it, okay? All the other guys that ran that hill and fought in the Golden Gloves and didn't make the hill failed. I'm not trying to say the hill was some measure of conditioning or some measure of greatness or anything like that, but you knew when you made it to the top under 12 minutes, you made it to the top of the hill and under 12 minutes, starting at Universera and Arroyo, you knew if you made it to that point that you were in solid condition and you were confident. And I remember what Alexis Arguello told me in 1982. I said, because I had lost a 3-2 split decision, I think I got robbed. Anyway, uh, against Mike Christie and the Golden Gloves. And I said, whoa, you know, 3-2 decision. It was even after three rounds. I won the first two rounds, and they took away a point in each round. So, in other words, I didn't win those rounds because they took the points away, okay? So, after the fight was over, after three rounds, the fight was even. Judges went with Mike Christie 3-2. I learned from that. Believe me, I learned. Believe me, I learned from that. It was the roughest thing. That was one of the roughest experiences I ever suffered as a fighter because I had won the fight. I had clearly won the fight, but, you know, the other guy won, and you can't knock Mike Christie for winning because the, he didn't—I he didn't, mean, the judges gave it to him. It was— it was a decision the judges made after three rounds when they found a fight that was dead even on the scorecards. They said, well, we can go to the other guy, and they went to the other guy. Anyway, bottom line is, big learning lesson, with no doubt about that. But later that year, I inquired Alexis Arguello, who will be hearing from an hour number two of Ring Talk Live Worldwide today, going back in time with Alexis on CBS TV. But Alexis, he said to me, I said to him, I said, how do you know when you're in the best physical condition. How do you know when you're in the best mental condition? I said physical condition you sort of know, you know, because you're kicking ass in the gym and you're running good times and that kind of good stuff. So you know what time it is. But how do you know when you're in the best mental condition? And Alexis looked straight at me. He said, you know, when you're in the, you'll be in the best medical condition when when you're in the best physical condition. I said, come again? He said, you heard me. I said, you'll be in the best mental condition when you've achieved physical conditioning far beyond anything of the norm. In other words, you've got to feel it deep down in your soul. You've got to know you're in shape. You've got to know you're ready. You've got to have confidence. Confidence? I never lacked on confidence, no doubt about that. A little ability I lacked on, but I didn't lack on confidence. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Check it. your inside. Look into the world of boxing, MMA. Of course, Larry Merchant to come up in a couple of minutes here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, the retired HBO godfather. Big fights last night. We'll talk about McGee. of course, was in action as well. Jaime McGee, the number one ranked middleweight contender. we we'll talk about that and more today on Ring Talk Live Worldwide. little Tower of Power instrumental to the break. Ring
3: Talk Live Worldwide is brought to you by the World Boxing Council, the WBC.
2: that's 800-693-8290. Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Well,
9: I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. Having
4: once met the Godfather of Soul, I was on stage with him for uh, about 10 seconds there in Oakland, California. I can say that he was uh, one of the rudest guys I've ever met in my life. But the bottom line is that is the Godfather of Soul, the retired HBO Godfather Could be nothing more to the contrary. He's the most polite man I've ever come in contact with, of course, unless we're talking boxing. Straight up, I'm talking about Larry Merchant. Godfather, how are you, sir? I'm doing
14: good. We've got another perfect day in Santa Monica.
4: Santa Monica, California. At the beach?
14: I'm not at the beach. I'm overlooking the beach where I live. I can see Catalina Island from here. And uh, we've had a spate of just beautiful, beautiful Southern California weather.
4: Okay. Is is Did you happen to catch David Benavidez last night? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, all the criticism on, that's coming in this morning from the various boxing experts, a couple of trainers and things like that, was that he has no footwork. With no footwork, you're not going to be able to beat Canelo. You want to comment on that?
14: Um. I think he's a good fighter, but um, that critique sounds uh, real. Um, But some guys can uh, not have good footwork or not have uh, good
4: power, Mm -hmm. and they find ways to win. That's true. He's twenty-five and zip, twenty-two KOs. Of course, the young man that fought him came in as the opponent. But you know, you can't say enough about bravery in boxing, Larry. I mean, there was a couple times there. If I was the other guy, I think I would have wanted to get out of there.
14: Which fight was that? I'm talking
4: about. I'm talking. I'm talking about David Benavides, the young man, Keyshawn. I mean, there was a couple times there. If I was the other guy, I think I I would have wanted to be out. Of, I wouldn't. You know.
14: Yeah. Is well. Um... That's why that's what they signed up for, and uh, some of them can make it through, and some of them uh, decide they're in the
4: wrong the line of work. I remember with Victor Ortiz when I interviewed Victor Ortiz after he won a fight in San Jose, California. I think you were there, and he says he, he, he said to me, he "Goes, you know, I don't know if I'm I'm into this." I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Look at these bruises on my face. I don't know if I'm into this." Of course, he never really matured. Uh, his right. claim his claim to fame was getting sucker punched by Floyd Mayweather.
14: Tell tell me something, uh, um, Pedro. I watched. I believe I watched three fights last night. Yeah. From three different locations. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Ben Benitez fight was in Phoenix. Yep. And then I I watched um, the kid from Mexico with such a great record, Mungia.
4: Jaime Mungia, former 154 pound title holder, now campaigning at 160 pounds.
14: Yeah, and I thought he looked. Pretty darn good uh, in that fight. What was the other fight? I can't.
4: Remember. Kiko Martinez stopping Kid Galahad. Kid Galahad was like a, they told me he was like a twenty to one favorite. Guess the Osmakers choked on that one. What? 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 Uh, what? Wait. I think that was one hundred twenty six
14: pounds. Um, no, that was that's not the one I'm talking about. But there was there were three fights on last night at three different locations. You went um, uh, Anaheim, Phoenix. I'm trying to figure out the other one, and they were all sellouts mm. on the same
4: night. You know, and, and that's a good that's a good thing for the sport. I think that the. um the, the end of the pandemic, and yes, the pandem- pandemic does appear to be ending. Less people seem to be getting sick. Uh, thank goodness for the vaccination, that kind of good stuff. I'll be getting my booster in the next week. But um it looks like the pand- we've sort of turned the tide on the pandemic, and people are coming out. and Because, I mean, people are all over. Ca- You're in Southern California. I'm in Northern California. They're still wearing their masks up here, their masks up here, but they're outside. Yeah. They're going places. <laughs>
14: well, uh, look, things are inching forward, I think, rather than backward, and, um, boxing seems to be picking up, there, there's a, um, we're going to get a, finally get another chance to see Terrence Crawford soon, and, um, there are a number of fights that don't involve Canelo. <laughs> For a while, it looks like the only fights I could get myself worked into were the heavyweight fights and Canelo. You,
4: you know, I, I'm going to comment on Mr. Crawford. Of course, he's a champion, 135 pounds, 140 pounds, 147 pounds. Now the WBO title holder, considered maybe 1A or 1B to Earl Spen- Errol Spence. You know, I was with him a few years ago on a cruise. I think we were in Cuba, somewhere in the Bahamas. And I said to him, I said, you know, uh, what do you want to do in boxing? I said, do you want to keep going on, like, like just beating guys? Because, I mean, he has numbers, but he has no, no great names on his resume, none whatsoever, not even anybody even coming relatively close to being great. And he said to me, I want to be like the great fighters, like Hagler, like Leonard, like, like, like Duran and people like that. Well, if he really wanted to be like those guys, he would have taken 5% less and fought Earl Spence in the 50-50 split, correct?
14: Uh, Yeah, but, you know, we have difficulties with promoters and everybody promising you this, and don't take that fight because uh, um, it might deter you on your road to uh, vast riches. Uh, It's just the new normal. Uh, But uh, if the new normal is also three television fights, Uh, on a weekend involving
4: uh, elite fighters or would-be elite fighters, Mm -hmm. I'll take it. No doubt about that. Now, the heavyweight championship, of course, Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, that was going to be like a mega, 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 mega mega match. And, of course, talking sort of... um, uh, curtailed that because you know um, Anthony Joshua wanted to make some more money with DAZN instead of his last contract with uh, last fight with Sky Sports. Now we've got the 135 pound champion, and I've got some problems with him. Tiafimo Lopez, undefeated, of course, going to go I believe in a week against George Kambosos of Australia, but now he's going to move straight up to 140 pounds after this fight, and he's not really. the I, I got a problem with him calling him the undisputed lightweight champion, even though he beat. Um, because he hasn't beat anybody else at 135. And in order to, to be the king at 135, you got to sort of like slay the division, not just one guy.
14: Well, I would agree with you. Um, but that's the way he wants to roll, and um, we'll see if he's got any real role in him uh, to, to move up a class.
4: You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world to begin with. I mean, he's not a tall guy. And he's, he's not a big buff guy. And I thought 135 pounds. I was looking at his body one day saying maybe he could make 130. But no way 130. He says 135 is a problem. And I could see that. But, you know, there's Devin Haney. There's Ryan Garcia. There's, there's a couple other guys at 135 pounds that he has talked all this smack about. I mean, Tia Fimo has a big mouth. He, he's very vocal. But unlike some of the other guys with big mouths, he isn't stepping up. He seems to be avoiding guys and wanting to go to 140 and Luke Campbell.
14: Um, Tell me something. Uh,
15: Hmm?
14: uh, I'm trying to think of some junior uh, welterweights. Maybe he thinks this is an easier group here because – the junior welterweight champions all moved up, uh, all moved up to uh, welterweight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I assume his handlers are closer to that than I am, and um, we'll see if he has some success there.
4: Okay, but but back back to Crawford, Omaha, Nebraska. Not a guy that sells tickets. If he held a fight in Omaha, maybe he could sell 5,000 seats at like 10 bucks a ticket. Um, no, he sells more than that, please. Does don't, he?
14: Don't, 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 don't uh, underestimate him. I agree with everything, but he's, he's drawn crowds of twelve and 13,000, 14,000 okay. in, in Omaha. I sound correct. I guess he's made some pretty good money.
4: Otherwise, he would be uh, looking for more dangerous fights dangerous fights, good point. Mikey Garcia, they paid him like almost two million bucks. Al Heyman did to sit on the fence there and not fight after sitting out that contract with Top Rank. His money is, I mean, there seems to be a lot of guys like the Charlo brothers. Al Heyman's giving them a lot of money, and Charlo doesn't seem to want to step up and and take on Canelo Alvarez or go to attain greatness or anything like that. He isn't. It doesn't seem like he's eager at all to move up to 168. I mean, every time we talk about 168 pounds, he's talking about Canelo coming down to 162 or 160. And this and this. You don't tell the king what to do when you fight the king?
14: Um, it's it's true that. And uh, last week, Plant fought him, gave him a good fight for much most of the fight. And walked away with a ten million dollar
4: purse. Now, that ain't so bad. No, that ain't so bad. Once not so ever, <laughs> Larry. Um, somebody asked me the other day, "What what makes a good trainer?" I thought that I mean the obvious, like Eddie Futch and Angelo Dundee and guys like that. But um, what, what what do you think is is the main attribute of a good trainer, a boxing trainer?
14: Look, I think that there are a lot of good boxing trainers uh, who have. Um, different approaches to the game. Um, uh, what makes a good trainer is good fighters, and what makes good fighters are good trainers. Um, and I don't know the trainers today as well as I did once upon a time. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I'm not sure. But the great, the great trainers were great communicators, um, both with the media and with the fighter. And uh, I know that Angelo Dundee was one of my favorites, and he talked about that you couldn't tell Ali w- what to do, um, mm-hmm. but you can drop hints. <laughs> and he could take credit for it. Okay. And so that he knew his fighters. So you, you got to know these guys.
4: You know, I sat with an Angelo and did a one hour show with him and his wife, and I called his wife by the wrong name for the entire hour. They didn't correct me till afterwards. I'm thinking if I did that with you and the godmama, she'd correct me. It was a little bit quicker than an hour.
14: Yeah, well, she would hear it right through the wall. <laughs>
4: um, Emmanuel Stewart. God, I miss him. I really do. I mean, was 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 he the most astute broadcast partner you think you worked with as far as no unboxing?
14: Astute, yes. There's no doubt about it. And by the way, um, I, I I had a conversation with Jim Lampley yesterday. Jim is a a journalism instructor at the University of North Carolina, his alma
4: mater. Back at the Tar Heels.
14: Yeah, and um, he was telling me how. He thought that Tyson Fury was just a big, flabby bum um, who who would be taken down and never become a champion. And Angelo corrected him and corrected him in every way that's turned out to be true. Wow. About... So they're guys, they see things that others may not, um, and they know how to work to... to treat to treat that and um, there were just as there are only a, hand, a few hands full of great fighters there's only a few
4: hands full of uh, great, trainers. great trainers great godfather all the best kiss the god Mama, we'll talk soon have a good day. The great Larry Mercer. Notice he wouldn't kiss the Godmama for him, but he said, have a good day. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live, Worldwide, and WBC-TV. Often imitated, but never duplicated.
16: Baby, 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 i got do, baby. Baby,
2: sometimes I'm Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. and learn how your next home sale can be faster and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-449-1759. 800-449-1759. 449 1759 Again, that's 800-449-1759. you're listening to Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Brought to you by the World
3: Boxing Council, the WBC. Right here on Sports Byline. Hey, you got to funkify.
4: I was supposed to funkify in Mexico City for the next week. I was supposed to be down there for the WBC convention, but Uncle Sam had a holiday this week, and I didn't have a passport. What am i trying to tell you is I let my passport expire. I didn't realize the last one they gave me, was only a year. Some provisional passport they gave me because I had lost a passport before. So they thought I was selling my passport, I think, over, overseas or something like that. Anyway, the bottom line is they gave me a one-year provisional passport, and I didn't realize that. So when I went to pull out the passport a few days ago to check it, you know, to get ready to go to Mexico, I realized it was expired. So I called the feds, and they say, you know, come on down. So I went on down. They like, we don't take walk-ins. Wait a second, you told me to come on down. So bottom line was, I ended up going through all these uh, shenanigans, this and that. I ended up telling them my, my uh, relative was dying in Mexico. All kinds of crazy stuff and they still didn't let me go. So I guess, you know, the passport wasn't meant to be. But the bottom line is the WBC and its president, the Honorable Mauricio Suleiman, of course, son of Don Jose Suleiman, the founder of the WBC, they are holding their annual convention this week in Mexico City. And the reason why this is significant, because last year's convention didn't take place because of COVID. So this is the first year the uh, convention is taking place after COVID. Of course, Wow, we wish him the very best luck. I wish I was down there. I'm not down there, and I'm sure a little upset about that. But the bottom line is we have to move on. Last night, the unbeaten WBC and WB 160-pound 100, challenger, the number one ranked guy. I'm talking about Jaime Munguia of Mexico, 38-0 now, 30 KOs. Yeah, a 12-round impressive winner, of course, over uh, Gabriel Rosado. Let me get you these scores. Rosado's 25-13 and 13 now, one draw, 15 KOs. Rosado was a guy that nobody was giving any rounds to at all. I mean, he didn't get no—put it this way— he didn't get much credit at all. The scores were 118, 110, 119, 109, and 117, 111. And most people, I thought, may have thought maybe Mungiu won the fight, but not by scores like that. And when you do things like that, it's demoralizing for a fighter because you're in the fight, you know you're in the fight, and yet those judges don't have you in the fight because they can't they can't conceive you possibly winning rounds. You, I mean, this is not part of the script. The other guy's so overly, uh, so heralded, so highly heralded that you have no chance. So if you have no chance, how can you win rounds? So the judges psychologically psychologically get trained to just vote for the guy that's supposed to win. Maybe that's what happened here last night. Of course, that took place at the Honda Center in Anaheim, California. Um, I will say this, Rosado was, um, he had a lot of four-letter four words to say after the fight. More power to him, but I think he had to say it. Of course, we have David Benavidez stopping of, uh, um, he wants to fight Canelo Alvarez. We'll talk about that. 25-0, 22 KOs. Of course, the young man that he fought, uh, Kyron Davis. We'll hear from the David Benavides in hour number two. But he was a game, game guy. He really was. He came in in outgunned. And I can't say this enough because I've never been in a fight like that. In other words, you go into a fight and you're facing certain doom, certain loss. I just, even when I fought the guys I wasn't supposed to beat, um, I didn't think about it that way. I just never thought about it that way. I didn't go into a fight thinking, man, you know, I'm going to get crunched here. And there's probably no other way that uh, Mr. Davis could have looked at this other than, you know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me. I can't punch. I'm a decent boxer. I'm tough. But the bottom line is I'm probably not going to win this fight. He didn't win this fight. Seventh-round TKO uh, over the late substitute Tyrone, Chirone Davis. Of course, that was in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, as far as Benavidez and Canelo is concerned, Ain't happening. I mean, I thought that maybe before this fight that he was a guy that we, they were going to be able to um, develop into a fighter that could possibly beat Canelo Alvarez. The problem with Benavidez is he seems to be, he's got no footwork. I'll go back to that. When you've got three left feet, man, you know, you ever go dancing with a girl she steps on your foot like once, twice, three times? Well, you know, he's just not not a dancer. He's not a guy that's got good footwork. Hector thinks he can be tweaked. Okay. Eddie Croft doesn't think so. So we've got two, uh, two different trainers, two different guys. I think are have world class abilities. Two different guys who have trained world class fighters, and both of them think different things. They both think they've got bad footwork, but Hector thinks he can be taught. Eddie doesn't think so, and Eddie thinks he's not conditioned properly. Eddie doesn't think he's dedicated. So, you know, we'll hear from Eddie next week. But the bottom line is, he is 25. and know, he is cocky. He is tall. He does uh, punch in bunches, and I got to give him credit, man. He's still, undefe- uh, he's still undefeated. So say what you want about him, but David Benavidez. A pretty good fight. Is he a punk? Somebody sent me a text just now. Is he a punk? What do I mean by that? I said, and I said back another text. What do you mean by a punk? No, know, there was like a street thug, like a punk, this and that. Because, you know, he drops a lot of F-bombs in his interviews. Yeah, I found that out. We're editing you on right now. But the bottom line is, you know, um, I don't know if he's a punk. You know, boxers aren't. Boxers, for the most part, aren't college educated, with the exception of James Bonecrusher Smith, who, when he fought Mike Tyson, was James Bonehugger Smith. But um, James Bonecrusher Smith, I think... Was the only heavyweight champion, the only heavyweight title holder from the United States with a college degree? I think the Klitschko's had college degrees, but then again, the you know the Klitschko's are from the Ukraine, and and Bone Crusher Smith was the only U.S. heavyweight champion to attain a college degree, edu- college education. So what I'm trying to tell you is that. Guys aren't that skilled. I mean, they're just not that skilled in worldly, worldly affairs and know how to handle themselves, okay? And Dave Benavides figures that, you know, if I come off tough and acting like like a rugged guy and this and that, that'll, that'll enhance my reputation with the boxing fans. It may, but the bottom line is you've got to put up in the ring. And I think you need a couple more fights before you even think about Canelo Alvarez. before you even think talking about Canelo Alvarez, because <clears throat> if you come into the fight like you did last night, In the condition you were in last night and with the same footwork you had last night, Canelo will stop you inside the distance. I mean, there would be no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, you know, he would take it to you. He would beat your arm to death. He would beat your body to death. And before eight or nine rounds, you'd be looking for a place to go. That O would definitely be gone. If you fought Canelo right now, that O would be gone. So what I'm trying to tell you, Mr. Benavides. And I know you're probably not going to listen. You're to rush into this Canelo fight as soon as possible. And if I was Canelo, I would take this fight as soon as possible. I would take him next because I'd rather have him green without footwork than have him lumped uh, than have him schooled later on with footwork. Okay, I just don't want to go there. I really don't want to go there. I mean, I would want him right now. Much like Canelo Alvarez was taken on by Floyd Mayweather back when Canelo had three left feet. I mean, Canelo couldn't. Canelo was like like plodding around when he fought Mayweather. He had two, three left feet, four left feet. I mean, he, he couldn't dance at all. But the bottom line is, he's improved his footwork significantly. In fact, all aspects of Canelo Alvarez under the team of Eddie Reynoso, they've improved, they've tweaked him uh Almost to perfection. I mean, come on, he's lost the one fight to Mayweather. Outside of that, it wasn't anything close, except for that first fight with Gennady Golovkin. Of course, Golovkin, the only guy on uh, the only guy on Golovkin's resume that has beaten him was Canelo Alvarez in the second fight, and that one draw on Triple G's record that was with Canelo as well. So, speaking of Triple G, um, instead of coming back and wanting to get that big money fight with Canelo Alvarez, I don't know what's going on with this guy, but I think he's trying to take the low road. When I say the low road, I mean he's going to Japan. In December, December 29th, he's going to take on Kyoto Murata, okay? Kayoto Murata, not much. Um, I was going to say something really really nasty about him right then and there, but I'm not going to do that. But he can't fight. He just can't fight. I mean, he can't. He couldn't win the Golden Gloves. In other words, in other words if you put him in the Golden Gloves over here and you said to me, Pete, I want you to train a guy to beat him. I Man, I'd go out there. I'd get somebody to beat him, I think, pretty easy. I just don't think he's got any skills whatsoever. I think he's a big guy. I think the Japanese, he's a big middleweight. And the Japanese, you know, put it this way, anybody over there that can spell fight, Japanese fans like. They just do. I mean, they, they're they invested into their losers. They're heavily invested into guys that get lumped up the warriors. They're big into that warrior stuff. over I'm not into warriors. I'm into winners. I mean, I don't want to sound like a Donald Trump or anything like that, but I'm into winners. Guys that lose, mm, what can I say? You know, that's, that's, that, it happens. I lost a lot of fights, but it happens. You lose fights. I understand that. But it's the way you handle losses in which you, um, way you the way you handle losses after losing determines on what you're going to become as a fighter. You know, I remember losing that first fight with Eddie Smith, of course, and I didn't get tired too many times after, although I did get tired a couple times afterwards, I didn't get tired too many times after that, but you have to learn, there has to be a a moment in your life where you have to learn, and I think Canelo learned with Mayweather. Of course, you know, Mayweather's talking all kinds of smack, I beat Canelo, yeah, but you beat him when he was green as guacamole, and that's putting it lightly, okay, Uh, fight him now. Floyd? No, 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 no. It wouldn't even be close. Of course, I'm not, I'm not even talking about the current weight. Of course, at 168 pounds now, Canelo Alvarez probably, mm, without a doubt, pound for pound the king. And somebody said to me the other day, who could he beat at 168 uh, in history? Who were the great 168 pounders? Well, there's only one great, maybe two great super middleweights in time. And they were, of course, Joe Calzaghe, who retired undefeated from Wales. Of course, Joe Pat Lawler fought him, and he was a left-hander. Pat fought him about like a, his seventh or eighth fight, and Pat and I were always tight, you know. I mean, we, we did a lot of cannabis together. Anyway, um, uh, but, but Pat comes back from, from fighting from Calzaghe. He's like three days later, and he's still in a fog. He still has buzz His head still buzzed. And I said to him, what's up? He goes, that's the hardest I've ever been hit in my life. And I said, whoa. And then afterwards, after that, you know, he sparred with Duran and guys like that, and he beat Duran on that controversial shoulder fight. But the bottom line is he sparred with some monsters, okay? And he still told me at the end of the day, Calzaghe hit the hardest. And Why did Calzaghe hit the hardest? Because Joe was a puncher early on before he hurt his hands, plus the fact he was punching from the opposite side. When you get hit by a southpaw and you don't, you just, listen, I trained one time, Thinking I was going to fight a left-hander, and I fought a left-hander, and I thought I was all prepared for it. And guess what? I got licked like a stamp. I mean, he should have been arrested for domestic violence. I'm talking about Eddie, Ernie Chavez. Of course, he was at one point I ranked like top three or four here in the United States as a welterweight. I took him on in the National Golden Gloves down there in Las Vegas at 141 pounds. What's a few pounds? I can give up a few pounds, right? He was so big I didn't recognize him. I didn't. I went to the guy in my corner and said, that, that, that ain't him. He had a haircut, a haircut, and he shaved. But, that ain't, that ain't the guy, that ain't the guy. What do you mean that ain't the guy? that got to be his, but they put his brother in. That's what I was saying. I really thought they put his brother in there because the physical difference from when we weighed in, when he was steamed, steam coming off his body, to now was like light years, okay? He went from 147 to 166. Whoa! So we weighed 166 pounds when we stepped in the ring, and of course, you know, I said, "No, I said, well, so what? He's a big fat guy. I'll take care of this guy, right? No problem." And for the most part, I boxed well in the first round for like two minutes and twenty seconds, until I dipped that left jab, and he was waiting for me. He timed it. More power to him, okay? He timed it. I threw the left jab out there, and I and I sort of lagged bringing it back, brought him back low. He hooked around it, hit me with a right hook on the side of the head. I'd never been hit by a hook like that ever in my life. So I sort of know what Pat Lawler was talking about when you when he got hit the hardest by Joe Calzaghe, who wasn't that great of a puncher. But the bottom line is you're getting hit from sides. On a, you just don't – you've never been hit there before for the most part. Not like that, not in combination by a southpaw. So getting hit, by com, getting hit by southpaws right now. Of course, we've got lots of fighters that think they're southpaws, guys that want to convert themselves, of course, you know. But the greatest, I think, of all time, as far as pound-for-pound pound southpaws were concerned, as far as boxers were concerned, I think I have to go back to the 1984 Olympic gold medalist to talk about Pernell Whitaker. I mean, Pernell was, they called him Sweet Pea. He beat Oscar De La Hoya in that fight. Absolutely no doubt about it. I remember engaging um, De La Hoya's promoter, um uh, Pat, uh, Bob Aram's stepson, can't remember his name right now, Bob Arum's stepson, after the fight and telling him, you know, there's no way Oscar won that fight. He got knocked down. He got clowned the whole nine yards. And, like, they were, like, aghast that I would even say that before the press conference, you know. But I went out there, and I told it like it was. I didn't think Oscar beat Purnell that night. In fact, I thought Purnell deserved a, uh, a rematch. But, you know, the boxing establishment, Purnell had cocaine problems. Purnell was rumored to be on the, the Colombian Dust before the fight, during the fight, and after the fight. There was a time there when he wasn't on the dust, I think, the Colombian dust. That's what I call it, cocaine. Anyway, there was a time there when he wasn't on the nose candy, I'm told. But the bottom line was he had a problem, and I think the boxing establishment sort of screwed him there. And then they screwed him again in the Chavez fight. Because think about this. I mean— He schooled Julio Cesar Chavez. I mean, he just schooled him. It was like eight rounds to four, maybe nine rounds to three or something like that. It was a 12-round fight. In fact, it was such a one-sided fight that, you know, I was betting with Jack Tatum, number 32, they call me assassin. Of the Oakland Raiders, of course, a Hall of Famer in the NFL. I was with him watching the fight, and after like eight or nine rounds, I just went and gave gave Jack my fifty bucks. We bet fifty bucks on the fight. I took Chavez, and he t- and, and he took Whitaker. Okay, so after the fight was announced as a draw, I went back and got my money back from Jack, and he said, "You got the audacity to come back here? You know Whitaker won that fight." And yes, Whitaker did win that fight. But guess what? Instead of getting the elevator, Sweet P got the shaft—not once, but twice—in the biggest fights of his life. Shame on the boxing establishment. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Tower to the break.
6: Sway, and I knew right
4: from the start,
6: she was the one who could calm my
17: heart. I know someday that we could happen in a special way. I wish I made. I wish I-
2: that's 800-306-1760. Hey
10: travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call, that's right
16: Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
4: I watched a scary ladies fight last week. Scary ladies fight. Does that make sense? No, anyway. Bottom line is this young lady by the name of Alicia Bumgarner. Yikes. I mean, yikes. She's from Michigan, and she, uh, wow, she took on Terry Harper, and she, like, almost killed Terry Harper in four rounds. Terry Harper was a standing corpse. What I mean by that is... She was a vertical corpse. She was knocked out. She was standing up. She couldn't fall. The bottom line is a referee jumped in there and stopped at the right time in the fourth round. But Alicia Bumgarner, now 11-1, 7 KOs, Watch for her on the boxing horizon. Now, some big boxing upset. Take that back. One fight that wasn't an upset last night. Williams Beta now 24-0, 22 KOs, punished John Moralde. This guy looks like he's pretty good. He is the WBA Continental America's champion at 135 pounds, but a good-looking fighter. No doubt about that in my mind. Now, the upset of the... Weekend, no doubt about that. A huge upset. Thirty-five-year-old former IBF super bantamweight, 122-pound title holder Kiko Martinez now 43-10 and two two draws with 30K was brutally knocked out. IBF featherweight champion and a hometown hero Kid Galahad. That was in the UK last night in the sixth round, of course, Saturday night in Sheffield, the UK. Galahad won the first four rounds easily, but got dropped in the in the fifth round. And by the end of round five, he was sort of toast. He got laid out in the uh, sixth round. End. And Galahad was a seven to one. Betting favorites, so guess what? Ups, uh, That's good. I think upsets are great for boxing because, you know, you don't know until the guys step into the ring. I mean, think about Buster Douglas, James Buster Douglas, and, and Mike Tyson. I mean, the only one that gave Buster Douglas a chance here was maybe me. And who was the other boxing writer from uh, Ron Borges? Ron Borges bet money on him. But the reason why I gave him a chance is because he was challenging for the heavyweight championship. Okay, so I interviewed him. People say to me, "You're wasting your time talking to that guy." And guess what? He tended to be in the heavyweight champion of the world, so I didn't waste my time. If a guy fights for the heavyweight title and he's challenging, he deserves some press, no doubt about that. Speaking of press, stay tuned for hour number two of Ring Talk Live, world worldwide. Looks like I got the Twitch thing together as far as the sound and all that kind of stuff. Good stuff is concerned, it's been a pain in the butt. But the bottom line is, hour number two, forthcoming. We'll talk with, we'll hear from Alexis Arguello, the great Alexis Arguello was one of my heroes in the world of boxing, no doubt about that. Stay tuned for Ring Talk Live Worldwide after the news.
3: Ring Talk Live Worldwide, brought to you by the WBC with Pedro
18: Fernandez. Radio News with Jeremy Scott. A watchdog group tracking spam and cyber threats announced that hackers have compromised an external email system of the FBI. The agency says they are aware of the incident involving fake emails from an FBI.gov email account. Emails were sent to tens of thousands of recipients in the database that appeared to be warning of a possible cyber attack. Over 200 world leaders have reached a deal at the U.N. climate summit in Scotland.
4: Hearing no objections, it is so decided.
18: That's the
17: president of the
16: gathering, Alunc Sharma, making the announcement as countries decided to step up their efforts on climate change over the coming year by bolstering their 2030 climate
18: targets. USA Radio's Chris Barnes reports the deal comes after two weeks of talks. A federal judge has denied a request to stay the executions of four death row inmates in Oklahoma who are all scheduled to die within the next three months. USA Radio News. Maybe this
19: is you too. A lot of people do not like their health plan right now and they're worried they're stuck with it. One that costs too much or doesn't meet their needs or for whatever reason, they're just not happy with it. If that is you... Some great news. There really is another choice. It's called MetaShare, and it's such a great option, especially if you're self-employed, changing jobs, or part of the gig economy. Here's what you get when you switch to MetaShare: First, huge savings. The typical family saves $500 a month. You also get a massive doctor network, or you can just use the doctor of your choice, or MetaShare's free 24-7 telehealth option. And you get to be part of something you can believe in. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. No wonder MediShare gets double the customer satisfaction ratings compared with typical health insurance. So no, you're not stuck. You've got a great alternative. Call now. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE.
18: The White House is planning a ceremony Monday for President Joe Biden's signing of the $1 trillion infrastructure bill. As USA Radio's Brad Bernard's reports, the President's Secretary of Transportation says the bill will define this decade.
11: Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg said on Friday... The $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill is about investments that will define the 2020s.
19: One thing that's really important to remember uh, is that this is not quite the same as that 2009 bill when the, the focus really was on what they call the shovel-ready projects, getting those dollars into the economy right away. Here it's about making sure that we do work right away and for the long run. I mean, this... It's really about investments that will define the 2020s. And so the focus is on shovel-worthy projects.
11: In an interview with CNN host Jake Tapper, Buttigieg said the focus will sometimes accelerate things that are already underway.
18: President expected to land on the White House lawn in a helicopter for Monday's ceremony. You're listening to USA Radio News. thousands of migrants traveling to belarus hoping to cross into the european union trapped on the border in freezing conditions the polish prime minister calling on nato to take quote concrete steps to resolve the migrant crisis on the belarus border the biden administration expressing their concerns over the situation
11: secretary of state anthony blinken has warned russian president vladimir putin he would be making a serious mistake if he invaded ukraine And Kamala Harris said the eyes of the world are on the Belarus border as the Biden administration waded into the chaos in Eastern
9: Europe.
1: On the issue of of Belarus and what is happening at the border with Poland, we are very concerned about that and closely paying attention to it.
11: And President Joe Biden issued his own expression of concern as he left the White House for Camp David on Friday. From the USA Radio News, West Texas Bureau, I'm Brad Bernards.
18: After being trapped for months in Tajikistan after fleeing Afghanistan, about 150 former Afghan Air Force pilots and personnel have been airlifted by the U.S. out of the country to the United Arab Emirates. Pilots spending nearly three months in detention after using their military aircraft to fly to Afghanistan's northern neighbor as the Taliban seized control of Kabul in August. The pilots saying they were poorly fed and we're often without electricity while in detention. For USA Radio News, I'm Jeremy Scott.
0: I don't even recognize myself anymore.
1: I'm really worried about him. His addiction. I haven't seen him like this ever.
0: Hey look, I I never wanted to start using. I I knew the drill.
2: Call Quit Drugs 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, live from the West Coast, it's time for Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Your inside look into combat sports. Ring Talk Live Worldwide is brought to you by the World Boxing Council, the WBC.
5: Nunez's hands are down,
3: and she's walking Ronda down. She tags her again. Over and over. Amanda Nunes! And now, the host of the longest-running fight show in radio and Internet history.
20: If I can't teach you one way, I'll teach you another. But I'm going to get the job done.
4: Pedro Fernandez. Damas y caballeros, bienvenidos, ladies and gentlemen, emanating, coming at you from the multi-million dollar sports byline studios, check it, this is Ring Talk Live Worldwide on WBC-TV, often imitated but hardly duplicated, 37 make that 38 plus years now of knocking out all bums, my name is Pedro Fernandez, welcome to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, and WBC TV and this hour of course this is hour number two of our Sunday edition Sunday of course comes to you at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, that's two hours live on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio, Twitch.tv the Sports Byline USA channel and like a thousand other internet platforms. Bottom line is this is hour number two of our Sunday show. Of course Saturday we come to you as well at 11 a.m. Pacific Time so remember this, Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, The same channels Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC TV. Now straight up Last night, of course, there were a couple of great fights. A couple of good fights, a couple of great fights. I don't know. It was a night full of boxing. Guess what? There were some fights on TV that people were interested in. That's what's cool. People are interested in boxing again. Of course, three sold-out fight cars. Larry Merchant talked about that in hour number one. The fact that three different venues sold out. I think that's great. I think that says that speaks volumes for the game, of course. Um, and you know, people are emerging from the pandemic. Or, you know, most people are getting vaccinated for those of you that didn't. I don't know what to say, but the bottom line is, for those of us that have, we can go out in public and feel pretty comfortable as far as this COVID stuff is concerned. So COVID is in the rearview mirror as far as boxing fans are concerned, I hope. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. In this hour of Ring Talk, I'll bring in the great Alexis Arguello and, of course, David Benevides, the winner last night, of course, in a fight on the zone. Take it back, showtime. So we'll hear from David and we'll hear, of course, from the great Alexis Arguello today on Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC-TV.
7: Anytime. Just
6: for the girl she You're always up for some fun with the family. So you order the essentials, a new board game, some baking supplies, and even a new projector for outdoor movie night. And with the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card, you can choose to earn 3% cash back on online shopping, which could increase to up to 5.25% as a preferred rewards member. Rewards which you can put toward an extra treat that everyone will enjoy. Like an old-fashioned popcorn machine. Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding and apply now. Copyright 2021 Bank of America Corporation.
15: Palio Restaurant has been the premier Italian restaurant serving downtown San Francisco since 1990. Palio features fine Italian fare and a wine spectator award-winning wine list, so there is no surprise that it's been voted Best Overall Restaurant in San Francisco by San Francisco locals. Palio has been in business for over 30 years and recently went through a complete remodel our guests can expect to receive the same excellence in food and service that has sustained us for 30 years in a brand new and more modern space. Our 250 plus seat restaurant includes seating in four distinct spaces, making social distancing while dining easy in our establishment. All precautions are taken by staff to ensure a safe dining experience. Open Monday through Saturdays, reservations are recommended. Visit paleosf.com to view our menus and make a reservation today. That's paliosf.com. palio sf.com dot com.
3: Now more of Ring Talk
4: with Pedro Fernandez. <laughs> Game five. 37 long years we have been together not 5 Lenny you are tuned to Ring Talk Live worldwide you're inside look into the world of boxing and a little MMA we'll touch on the UFC a little bit later of course um, I want to <laughs> somebody said to me how bad was that beating Alicia Bumgarner gave on uh, Terry Harper put it this way if they were gay, she would have been arrested for, not in domestic violence, attempted murder. I mean, it was like, yikes, man. Yikes. It was one of those beings that if the referee not been there at the right time, this girl would have been seriously and maybe permanently hurt. So, Props to the referee. We'll try to get his name a little bit later. Now, last night, David Benavidez, of course, the heir apparent to greatness. Or is he? Is he really the Mexican-American answer to Canelo Alvarez? Of course, Canelo Alvarez being the Mexican superstar, the pound-for-pound king, a once-beaten fighter with one draw. Of course, a once-loss to Floyd Mayweather back when he was green as guacamole. He was successful last week against Caleb Plant. Plant came in at 21 and zip, something like 15 16 anyway he was a fair fighter there's no doubt about it of course he uh negotiated himself into a 10 million dollar payday and whether you want to realize it or not belts aren't worth spit you may maybe you know, take the back diego corrales the ex-world champion from sacramento california two-division champion of course a guy that lost his life in a motorcycle accident his belt was worth about 350 bucks that's what he pawned it for in las vegas 350 bucks so belts aren't worth spit money professional boxing is about making money and, you know, Cal plant made 10 million bucks last week, $10 million to get it. I mean, I'm not trying to say that, that he didn't deserve it. I'm just trying to say he made $10 million. You, people say to me, how much is he worth? How much can you get? I mean, there's a private investigator as a radio talk shows. You get what you can, right? This is no no doubt about that. But back to that, that women's fight yesterday. Holy cow. She is a new WBC 130 pound champion. She's Alicia Bumgarner. Who's eleven and one with one draw, and uh, of course, Terry Harper was coming in undefeated. She was the, the the defending champion from the U.K. This took place in the U.K. on zone. so it was quite an upset. She was a five or six to one underdog as far as the sports were concerned. So we give Miss Bumgarner the best. In fact, Bumgarner, you guys might you guys might remember James Garner in the Rockford Files. His real name was Bumgarner. And that's what his real name was. So he had to change it for television. He can go, this is James Bumgarner. That wouldn't work too much. Anyway, changed it to James Garner. Of course, James Garner, of went on to become the star of the Rockford Files and Maverick and all kinds of crazy stuff. Now, back to boxing. David Benavides. You know, I look at him and I think, man, he's got skills. He's got height. He's got reach. He's got flaws. How many flaws? How, how apparent are his flaws? Well, let's hear from David first.
21: How the hell was Kyron Davis able to hold up to all that? that those combinations, man? He's a, he's a warrior, bro. I mean, you don't got to take it away from him. He's a warrior. But I feel like, has he been knocked out before? No. It's never been, when they don't get, they've never been knocked out. They'll really try their hardest not to get knocked out. And I mean, I knew, I knew I was going to take him out. Eventually, you know, because that's the way I work. You know, when I put the pressure on, I don't let off or at nothing. And, you know, I feel, I feel like I get better as the fights go on. You know, I throw, more, I throw more punches, land more. But, I mean, hats off to Davis. But I feel like as, as long as you remain calm, you don't get frustrated, you don't get the knockouts fast, that's the key of it. You know, you, you can't make mistakes just because you're looking to get a knockout. You know, I did I didn't make any mistakes. I was touching them. I kept my distance. Everything was good. And I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Just again, the patience, man. Where's that coming from? You know, and again, it, usually you start off
0: 70 punches the first round, but you took your time with this guy. Well, you know what I wanted
21: to do? Because I didn't I didn't want to let the fans get to me, you know? And it's crazy, but it's good that I think like that. You know, I know a lot of people wanted me to go in there, throw everything the first, but I wanted to stay disciplined, you know, because that's really when it matters. You have to learn. I'm maturing too. And, I think for the longevity of my career, it's better. You have to relax and the knockout is going to come. You just have to wait a little bit. But, you know, I feel like I did a tremendous job. Why didn't you use the jab much tonight? You didn't need it. Because that's why, because sometimes (laughs) I fight fighters and I'm not landing at first, but until I start opening up with the jab. But this dude was just available with so much shots. You know, I feel like that's why you know I didn't really need to jab too much, but I, I should I have do more, but I mean everything' <laughs> worked out perfectly. I'm, I'm sure you read about what the fans say. When they break down this canelo fight, they say the body
0: shots will we'll kill David. He'll yeah. get underneath and get to the body. What, what's your response to that? Why won't that get
8: it done? We'll, we'll see what them?
21: happens, you know what I mean um, Everybody says the same shit over and over again. I get hit too much. I don't have this and that. I really don't get hit, you know what I mean, but you you craft, you craft a game plan for each fighter. You know, I know Kyron Davis didn't throw body shots like this. You know, if I knew he would throw body shots like that, it would have been different. I would have been stepping out, doing different stuff. But well, I would have been throwing more jabs. Because once a jab, well, fighter throws body shots, you counter that with the jab. You know what I mean? So that's what takes the body shots away But I mean, people are going to say, well, people that be talking the most don't know anything about boxing. If you watch boxing on TV, then they think they know everything. But I'm really in there working. You know? Working with multiple sparring partners, I'm doing a lot of stuff, so I'll be good. I don't need their I don't need their advice. You know lately Canelo's he's just had these nukes at one sixty eight. Are you the only guy who's got something for his ass? Who's got a nuke? Yeah, I got yeah exactly. I got I got a lot of power too and I throw punches and bunches and I don't get tired, so I think that's the best thing about me. My stamina is crazy.
4: David Benavides talking about his stamina being crazy. He will need to be once Canelo starts cracking him to the body. Now, will this fight take place? As I said earlier, if I was Canelo Alvarez, I would want this fight to take place now. And why do I say now? Is this because he isn't developed into the fighter he might be able to be. I'm talking about uh, David Benavides. In other words, he's a little green still. He can punch. He can box. He didn't work the jab last night. A lot of things he didn't do last night. Of course, the footwork, the footwork, the footwork, the footwork. All the boxing experts, all these trainers are telling me this morning, footwork, footwork. He he has no footwork. You can't win. He's not the complete package. They're trying to say, well, you don't have to be the complete package sometimes in boxing if you can punch. I mean, Deontay Wilder, case in point, right? He's nowhere the complete package as a heavyweight yet. The 2004 Olympic bronze medalist and the... Former WBC heavyweight title holder, of course, went like 40 in 40 fights with no losses. But then again, he fought 40 guys like me for the most part. Fought a lot of a lot of stiffs. But, you know, I mean, he's one-dimensional. All he's got is that right hand. He's got nothing else. He's got no footwork. He's got no jab. He doesn't work to the body well. I can go on and on and on and on about all his deficiencies. But yet he was enough to catapult him to the WBC title and to hold on to it for a while. Why? Because he could punch. So can Benavidez punch like that? Probably not so much, but he's got some tight. I think he's got a little height on Canelo, a little range on Canelo as far as the height and the reach is concerned. So it should be interesting. But if I was Canelo Alvarez, I want to take that on right away. Now, want to mention um, something went up on Facebook. Somebody shot, Rob Hernandez shot me some uh, video of me in, in Irvine, California. I think it was in 1989. I was doing some TV down there working for the Z Channel. And there was a big controversy involving the Z-Channel because I had this pimp little mustache. And the reason why I bring it up is that somebody shot me a picture, so I put it up on the Facebook. Anyway, it was like a Joe Gallardi, it was a little zoot-zoot type of commur- uh, mustache, and it was Joe Gallardi's, you know, it was a Joe Gallardi special. I called it Joe Gilardi was one of my heroes back then. Anyway, so I had some attitude in this 1980s uh, mustache. So this Jewish producer... He like, took me to task down there at Irvine, California, and like he would be telling me in my ear. In other words, I'm, I'm about to interview a fighter. I'm about to do some Pedro, you got to get rid of that mustache. I mean, he would like, you know, he's harping on me, like harping on me during the show, listening. So we went back and forth about it. And, you know, I had an agent, Martin, I can't remember what his last name was, here in uh, San Francisco, and he was Jewish as well. And he told me to shave the mustache off. He just shave the mustache off. I told him, why? You got me a contract with these people, man. What do you mean, I have a contract. They can't fire me over a mustache, especially not over a mustache. So he goes, Shave it off, Peachy, shave the mustache off. So so I was I, I refused. I wouldn't do it. So, so anyway, um <laughs> uh, they offered me 200 bucks to shave off the mustache and it came off in a winston that's just the way it went down money talks but in that instance I didn't want to hear any more of the guy's smack I mean imagine this you're setting up to do an interview in the ring and he says to you yeah, now, now before we go to the guy with the mustache ooh you know, he's telling you he's your producer he's telling you this stuff in your ear so in other words I just wanted to stop the harassment so that's why I gave up uh, I, I acquiesce, acquies, yes, but but the bottom line is I got 200 bucks to do so. I wouldn't have done it without it. Bottom line is you are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking to the world of boxing, MMA. The reason why I'm bringing that up is that I got chided by somebody who was Jewish for mentioning the fact the guy was Jewish. If he was black, I would have mentioned he was black. If he was Irish, it would have mentioned he was Irish. Latino, same thing. I don't get that. You're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. <laughs>
3: talk live worldwide brought to you by the wbc with pedro fernandez
2: 800-693-8290 That's 800-693-8290 Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez Ma'am, that's a groove
4: Ah, the trumpet of the late, great Mick Gillette Probably the great, greatest four notes on a trumpet in music Tower of Power, of course, you're still a young man. A million seller back from 1972. May he rest in peace. Mick Gillette was a class act. May he rest in peace. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Let's talk next week's five of course. Tim Zhu. Remember Tim Zhu? I uh, remember Kashi Zhu, his father, of course, the uh, former World Junior Welterweight Champion. His claim to fame was being the champion at Oscar La jolla wouldn't go nowhere near, not even in the same town, the same city, the same state, same arena. No, no, no. No way, no how. And bottom line is Delahoya ducked him. But Kashi Zhu, of course, was the guy that fought... Uh, Zab Judah and Zab Judah got mad at the referee and threw the, 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 the ring stool, tried to throw the stool at the referee, Jay Nady, through trying to do that to the wrong referee, cause Jay Nady one time we were in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and somebody snatched a purse on the street and Jay Nady ran the dude down. Jay Nady's like six foot five, two sixty, and he ran two fifty five and leaned and he ran this dude down and beat his Arcee. I kid you not. He did. So the guy snatched the purse. This is not the guy to mess around with. Anyway, Zabduda did that night. Koshizu, of course, now has his son, Timzu. It was 19 and zip, 15 KOs. He's supposed to be a, a junior middleweight to uh, take notice of. The bottom line is, you know, Australia doesn't have that many fighters. They just don't. So every now and then we get a fighter out of there that has a decent record. They build them up right. And we think great things. But the bottom line is Tim Timzu, of course, May not be a chip off the old block. Anyway, he's taking on Takahashi Inoy, And I think Inoy is related to the other, the monster Inoy. This guy's 17 and 1 with 10 KOs. You know, he wants to talk about fighting 160, 168 pounds. This Japanese guy is going to be all that he can handle. He'll probably roll over him easily. Another fight next week is going to take place and uh, I'm not too high on this one at all because it's it's Terrence Crawford, Crawford, the aforementioned guy from Omaha, Nebraska. Man, Larry Merchant straightened me out on that one, didn't I? I, He couldn't sell 5,000 seats in Omaha. Okay, he can sell 17,000 seats in Omaha, but not for any money. In other words, you know, the gates aren't nothing. He ain't going to make a $7 million gate in Omaha, Nebraska. Not gonna do it, okay? Just not gonna do it. So anyway, bottom line is he didn't put he didn't bring in the kind of butts and the money uh, that a true did. I think a real world champion, in other words, a guy that's supposed to be a superstar who portrays himself as a boxing superstar should be doing, okay? Now he's gonna take on Sean Porter. Is he has 37 and zip 20 KOs, champion at 135, 140, 147. But what's the biggest name on his record thus far? The guy is gonna fight next week, Sean Porter. Sean Porter, 31 and 3. I think he's got a. Uh, uh, one draw and 17 KLs, not a puncher, a volume, volume type of guy. Guys like guys get heavily muscled and that kind of good stuff. But you know, I don't think this is gonna be much be, be a big upset or anything like that. Should should uh Sean Porter win. I just don't think that Terrence Crawford's all that the great fighter that Hector and all these guys oh they fawn over his skills. Yeah, but look at the guys he's been lumping up. I mean the greatest guy in his record is probably I'll look back at it. The greatest guy in his record I think is is Yuri Gamboa. I mean, Kel Brook, some guy named Ed- 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 Edis, uh Cavaliscus, of course, he was undefeated. Amir Khan, who's really Amir Khan. Uh, Ho- Jose Benavides was 27 and zip. Jeff Horn, you know, come on. Are there any of these guys like, are these guys going to be like in the International Boxing Hall of Fame because they deserve to be there? No, uh, Jeff Horn might get there because of the fact that he was in Australia, he, lived, he was from Australia, and he beat uh, Manny Pacquiao in a disputed decision, disputable decision. But outside of that, I'm looking at the rest of uh, his record, John Molina Jr., Victor Postal, Henry Lundy. Mm, these guys are all decent fighters, but they're decent. They're not great. None of these guys were great fighters. None of these guys were the Hall of Fame fighters that Terrence Crawford wants to be. I mean, I told you, in Cuba, he's telling me on his boat he wants to be like Hagler and Duran and Leonard and Hearns and this and that. Well, you've got to fight guys like Leonard, Duran, Hearns, and, you know, people of that ilk. But he doesn't think so. He thinks you can get there mainly on quantity and not quality. Therefore, Terrence Crawford has taken the quantity. In other words, as many fights as I can get, make as much money as I can, forget it, make it, taking the risk. Because if you really wanted to take the risk and make some money, he would have done it with Earl Spence. I mean, if ever there was a time to fight Earl Spence, it was right now or like six months ago. Because the bottom line is, Earl Spence, of course, got tossed out of that car at 150 miles an hour. He'll never be the same. I don't care what you say. I mean, I would be, I would, I would make sure he, he, he knew about it when we were in the ring together. I'd be talking to him in the clinches. I would, be, I would be blowing his mind. But the bottom line is, he'll never be the same. He flipped out of a car. He had a brain bleed. Oh, well, how do you know he had a brain bleed, Pablo? You're not a doctor. How do you know? Because I looked at the picture. And when you look at that picture, that mugshot he took for being under the influence of alcohol, it was like blew way over the limit. Of course, had a gun in the car that was worth $10,000, a $10,000 handgun. Yeah, that's Earl Spence. Anyway, so he gets tested out of the car at 150 miles an hour. But when they did the mugshot photo, and this was after, you know, he'd been released from the hospital, obviously, you could see that his one cat, the area around the one uh, eyeball, the one around the pupil, it was all bloody. That means he had a brain bleed. That means it was a severe concussion. That means he didn't walk away with this just like a bruise. He was hurt. Ter- he was hurt. I'm telling you, he'll never be the same. If there's a guy you want to fight right now at 147, it's Earl Spence, okay? And what does Crawford say? No, man, they don't give me 60% of the money. I don't want no part of it. And that's what he said. He want who? Who the hell are you to demand sixty percent of anything? What have you done outside of what Larry Mercer said? Drawing a bunch of people in Omaha, Nebraska. Big deal, Omaha. Big biggest thing about Omaha is you and the fact that Sun World Airlines, when they were uh, running back about 25 years ago, used to offer you free trips to Omaha, Nebraska. I never knew why. I never knew why. But every time I got on a plane and they were looking for somebody to get off, to beg somebody to get off to go to Vegas, we'd be on these sold-out flights to Vegas, said, we will give you a round trip ticket to Omaha, Nebraska. And the lady said, Omaha, one time. I said, huh? What's Omaha? Is that a new town, though? She meant Omaha. But the bottom line she was reading off the paper. But the bottom line is, I never understood that. I never understood why. I guess they were trying to Get people to go to Omaha. Anyway, the bottom line is terrence thirty-eight and thirty-seven and zip. Maybe going to go thirty-eight and zip with his win over Sean Porter. He's favored significantly over Porter, probably a three and a half, four to one favorite. Okay, when you're fighting four to one guys, are you being challenged? Can you get to that Marvin Hagler level? Can you get to that Roberto Duran level? Can you get to that Sugar Ray? You can't. You can't do it. You can't do it just with quantity. Yeah, You have to have some quality to it. You know, I can go on and on, but the bottom line is Terrence Crawford, he's missing the boat here. He really thinks his, his spit doesn't stink and all that kind of good stuff. Spit with an H, of course. He thinks his spit doesn't stink. And, and, and I guess you can be confident. You can be cocky, this and that, but you're also got to face the reality that Yuri Gamboa, when the biggest name on your uh, dance card was Yuri Gamboa, that doesn't say a whole lot about your ability as a professional boxer. And the fact that, you know, has Has Crawford sold tickets outside of Omaha? Larry didn't bring that up. I mean, you don't see him, Aaron, putting them in the garden. You don't see him putting them in Madison Square Garden, Staples Arena, nothing like that. Why? Because he can't draw. Bob was talking about that about a year and a half ago. Was, Why should I pay Karen Crawford all this money when he doesn't make it back for me? Why should I have lose money? Aaron was implying that he's losing money every time he promotes Terence Crawford. Well, what does that say? It says that you know people don't maybe want to spend money. Or Terence Crawford is not a pay-per-view type of fighter. You have to, you have to be special to to attract people to pay-per-view. In other words, look at Canelo Alvarez. You know, people don't bat an eye to pay five bucks, ten bucks, thirty bucks, forty bucks, whatever it is, eighty bucks to watch a Canelo fight on pay-per-view. Why? Because Canelo has earned it. Now, would you want to pay eighty bucks to watch Sean Porter and Terence Crawford go at it? Probably not, but they're going to put this on pay-per-view anyway. Of course, that's the only way I think they can make any money as far as uh, coming up with these purses. Because remember, on pay-per-view, they don't have to sell a lot of homes. I mean, if you were to sell 100,000 homes on pay-per-view at 50 bucks a pop, Right? That, that's, that's a lot of money. That's $5 million, right? Well, you split that with the cable company. So, right off the bat, you've got $2.5 million. That covers the purse of your fighters if you had to pay each guy back like a million bucks. Now, I don't think Sean Porter is going to get a million dollars. I think he's getting close to it, but he's going to get a million. I'd probably get about eight hundred grand. Maybe I'm wrong. And I think that Terrence Crawford will walk away with about $1.4, $1.5, maybe one point eight at the tops. Because he just, if you can't sell tickets, w- Why do you demand, how can you demand all this kind of money? Terrence Crawford can't sell tickets outside of Omaha, Nebraska, or Omaha, Nebraska, whatever you want to call it. But the bottom line is when you sell tickets at 15 bucks a head, so what? No big thing there. I mean, you're not a ticket seller. He's not a draw outside of Omaha and the people that want to spend 15 to 25 bucks to go watch him. And, and you know, that, outside of that, he's not a draw. There's no doubt about it. Now, as far as big time boxing, of course, the heavyweight division has always ruled boxing. He who rules the heavyweight division has ruled boxing for the most part. But then again, there came a guy by the name of Sugar Ray Leonard. Before that, there was Sugar Ray Robinson. Of course, these were guys that were not heavyweights, but they controlled the boxing world. Roberto Duran, Thomas Hearns, Marvin hagler These guys were not heavyweights, but, you know, those guys controlled the boxing world. Right now we've got Tyson Fury, and I heard Larry Murchin talk a little earlier about Jim Lampley saying that Tyson Fury was just a big, a big flabby Fat guy. A big flabby bum to an extent. And you know, maybe Jim's got a point there. Maybe Jim's got a point there. But the bottom line is, he keeps winning. He's got the pedigree. I mean, he really hasn't lost too many fights in his entire life, even as an amateur. I think he lost three or four fights. But outside of that, he hasn't lost as a professional. And he hasn't even come close to losing as a professional. I'm talking about Tyson Fury. So you can knock Tyson Fury's preparation. I don't think he's as dedicated as he probably should be. Um, But then again, you know... Fighters don't train the way that I think they should train. I mean, I train like an animal for a three round fight. Guys don't train. I've been around guys that don't train. They train uh, marketably less than I did as far as intensity was concerned. And they're fighting six and eight rounds in 10 round fights. How how do they do it? I don't know. But the bottom line is, I put forth my time in the gym. If you don't put forth your time in the gym, it's not going to pay off. As far as the the, the the eventual premium screen, you want to make yourself a premium fighter. Now, Terrence Crawford, premium by numbers, not by greatness. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Next up, I'll interview it after the break, but the bottom line is we'll spend some time with the, the explosive thin man, El Explosivo Flaco. I'm talking about Alexis Arguello right here on Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC TV.
16: You're
3: listening to Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Brought to you by the World Boxing Council, the WBC. Right here on Sports Biology.
17: Let's do it. Anybody who wants to fight, let's go. Call now and learn which Echo product by Synergy Science is right for you. We offer free shipping and a full 30-day money-back guarantee. Change your
2: health by simply changing your water. 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789. That's 800-944-1789.
8: If you've got a small business, you know there's nothing more valuable than your time. So why waste it at the post office? Stamps.com makes it easy to mail and ship right from your computer. No special equipment required. Whether you're in office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. You'll even get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. And their new Rate Advisor tool lets you compare shipping rates across carriers so you always find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk, and when you go to Stamps.com and use offer code FOCUS, you'll receive a four-week free trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top and enter code FOCUS. That's Stamps.com, promo code FOCUS. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again.
2: Hello? You there in the car. Listen, if I was a cop, I'd pull you over and ask to see your insurance. Woo, I bet that would scare the heck out of you. <laughs> but seriously, I still want you to get your insurance papers out. Whoa, that's ridiculous. Look, we all have cars. That means insurance. But newsflash, you don't have to pay a fortune for it. What smart people all over the United States are doing is saving hundreds of dollars hauling AIS insurance. Some of you could be saving up to $600 a year. Maybe with an extra 600, you can get your car washed at least once a month. I mean, come on, look at it. Look, my job is to help you save money on your car insurance. So pick up the phone, call AIS Insurance right now, and get your car washed, please. 800 756 3744. 800 756 3744. 800 756 3744. That's 800 756 3744.
3: Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. I wanted to do the right
5: thing.
4: You know, every time I talk about Alexis Arguello, I get emotional. I just do. I mean he was like the explosive thin man to a lot of people, but to me he was like 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 a baby. I don't mean like a baby like nah, and that kind of stuff, but he was just so so tender emotionally. I mean you know, I mean he had emotional issues like you would not believe, and he lacked self-confidence a lot of ways. I mean things that you would not Expect coming from one of the most charismatic fighters who ever grace the planet. I'm talking about the man, of course, went 77-8 as a professional, 62 KOs, won titles at like 126 pounds, 130 pounds, 135 pounds, but he failed at 140 pounds. And of course... You know, he had a great run, and I remember going up to see him in uh, one of his last big wins was in 86 when he fought Billy Costello up there in Reno, Nevada, of course, and he knocked Costello out quick style. I mean, that was probably his last great run in the sun. He had a couple fights after that loss, came back in 1996 and lost to Scott Walker, the late Scott Walker down there in Arizona, from Arizona. That was a bit of a surprise, but the bottom line is, if he was getting beat by Scott Walker, he probably wasn't going to get ready to, like, rumble with anybody of significant, a third, especially a third time with Aaron Pryor. Plus, Aaron Pryor and him had gotten to a such a, a point in life that they were doing crack cocaine together in Miami, Florida. I mean, that was a little frightening. I mean, think about that. These guys are like adversaries. These guys are having the most bitter battles of all time, the fight of 1982, without a doubt, you know, and— And Alexis telling me how to get mentally tough and that kind of, I'll never forget that kind of stuff. But the fight of the year in 1982, of course, Alexis and and Pryor going back and forth, the special bottle, a special mix that Panama Lua's put together, the fact that the gloves were tampered with. I mean, Arguello had everything going against him, and yet he lost, but that broke him down mentally. And eventually, I think it played a part in the fact that his life ended shh sooner rather than later. The bottom line is, we're going to go back in time and spend some time with Lex like, Well, he was very happier with a CBS television commercial.
20: In Nicaragua, they love their boxing. And you don't have to look far at all to find a match or two on any Saturday night. There have been lots of local heroes here at the Cranshaw Outdoor Stadium, names like Kid Pascualito, Nacho Lamelle, Tancasito Gonzalez. It is a boxing crazed country. And if you can't make it out for a couple of beers and a long card, you can listen to the action on the local radio station. It used to be they never had much to cheer about in this Central American country, but they do now because this is the homeland of Alexis Arguello. In fact, it was here in this outdoor boxing ring in central Managua where Alexis Arguello had his very first professional fight. For his work, he earned himself $40. But more importantly, he earned the respect of the Nicaraguan boxing experts who looked up into the night at that skinny little kid in the ring and said, Finally, we have our champion. The champion is in Miami now, training for his 80th and perhaps most important professional fight. He is in pursuit of something that has never been done before, a fourth world title. He is obsessed. There are no distractions in this broken down neighborhood gym in Miami. No loud music to pump him up. No cheering section to massage his ego. No, this is far too serious. He talks to nobody. Conditioning is everything. A boxer's body is his weapon, conditioning. This is a time for intensity, not levity. The laughing and joking is for outside the gym. A hand. This is the Alexis Arguello fight fans don't and wouldn't pay to see. He's a nice guy, gentle, compassionate, a family man.
22: Main thing is uh, I gonna give a good education.
20: A pretty good storyteller, laughs at everybody else's. I don't tell, I don't tell bad jokes real dirty. <laughs> You look at him and you say to yourself, this is the guy who slam dunks professional fighters into the mat? I know, I know. <laughs> this guy has had 62 knockouts? With friends like this who needs enemies? This is the great and feared Alexis Arguello? <laughs> don't be fooled, this act stops at the ropes. Inside, Dr. Jekyll turns into Mr. Hyde. I've only seen one other fighter
22: that had this effect on his opponent, that was Joe Lewis. Uh, he was so mild minded and, and so soft spoken outside the ring. He disarms people, but when he gets in the ring and he hits them for the first time, they cannot believe how strong he is. They have no idea until they get hit that first shot. And no matter where it hits them, anywhere, then they know, <laughs> they know, wow, what am I in here with? <laughs> <I'm confused.
8: laughs>
20: the beatings there is always the alexis arguello trademark console the opponent the nice guy reappears it's been that way since he took his first title away from ruben Oliveras in 1974 and since then he's collected two more with a stunning 76 and four record he's been around long enough to even knock out kids who idolized him when they were growing up 76 and four three world titles you'd think he'd be a household name he isn't not yet.
22: I swear to God, if i born in America, and the um, American people, it's not that easy. You have to prove. You have to go prove, step by step, who's, who you are. Uh, Leonard, to win two titles, to have less fight than I got, is, uh, Jesus, now with me, with 85, three world titles, that's the only difference. I'm not American.
20: Well, last year he went into the ring with one of America's favorites, Boom Boom Mancini, who was trying to get the title his father never got when he was a fighter. In the end, Arguello almost came out the bad guy. But when it was over, fight fans across America were treated to something they seldom see. You two guys are a credit what it's all about. Here is the challenger, Ray Mancini. Come on in here.
22: Do
20: it, do it, do it, do it. That's what we're that's what we're talking about. Take good
22: care, Ray Mancini. I love you, father.
20: There's the most beautiful thing you have. Like I have my father. Take good care of you. You're While Ray Mancini's father watched the progress. fight at ringside, Arguello's father was at home in Nicaragua. He still lives in the same house in Managua where Alexis was born. And on a Sunday morning, there are almost always visitors, and the conversation most always is about that skinny kid used to live here.
22: I can never take that part of my life away from me, never. Not even if I want to do it.
20: Alexis grew up in this neighborhood and while his father made and repaired shoes, his mother delivered them. It was here in these streets where Alexis Arguello had his first fights. The ones with no ring, bell, ref, or gloves. Not the kind of place many people are able to break out of. Those things are usually for movies, books, and Alexis Arguello. And really,
22: life, there's only two ways you can do it. It's you're doing good or doing bad. It's nothing in between. In the movie, you can project the end. But in life, I mean, if you take good care of yourself, nothing could happen.
8: Gunfire is the only sound to be heard as citizens stay indoors and
20: the general business strike continues. While he was away fighting, something did happen. The government was overthrown in a bloody revolution. And the old neighborhood turned into a war zone.
16: Nicaragua's Sandinista guerrillas today savored a total victory over Anastasio (laughs) Somoza.
20: Sandinista government inherited was a country still trying to recover from the 1972 earthquake that killed thousands. For Arguello, this turn of events didn't fit in with his black and white world of training and conditioning. His younger brother was killed in the war, and in death became a national hero. He even had an avenue named in his honor. And the price Arguello paid, his family torn apart, never to be reunited. The gym he built for the neighborhood kids was seized by the government. And to add insult to injury, the Sandinistas outlawed professional boxing. And even worse, they named Arguello's gym for his brother, tying the Arguello name to the revolution Alexis didn't support. They took everything, seized his dream home, evicted his mother and sister at gunpoint. Arguello will not return to see what is left over, the poverty, the people waiting and watching for a better life that never came as promised. Even though he hasn't been home in three years, he hasn't been forgotten. In the marketplace, they still sell Alexis Arguello t-shirts with an imprint of optimism showing four crowns, not three. It is as though he never left.
22: He's a national hero now. But if Alexis sometime comes to Nicaragua, I can guarantee you that uh, maybe 200,000 or 300,000 of people is going to the airport
20: to receive him. Quite frankly, Arguello is afraid yeah, to go home.
22: Just uh, just think about uh, that 200,000 people to kill a man and just be just one. You know, the government can send somebody in the airport. Uh, good go on. Do you think uh, that happened?
20: Oh, yeah. I mean... Do you worry about that up here? Do you think that they would send somebody up here? Oh, yeah.
22: I miss my family a lot, but, you know, just just... Uh, I cannot come back to my country for the problem. You know, they want to stay there. They've been living in there for all his life, you know.
20: His mother tried living with Arguello in the States, but didn't like Miami, so now she sits at home with her memories. Is it hard for you all the time because Alexis is gone? But he is a knockout victim by the champion Alexis Arguello, who has successfully defended his championship for the
22: third time. Well, right now I have the respect for my country because I'm a Nicaraguan, but I, I have a respect for this country. And all in my life, America would be part of my history.
20: The Alexis Arguello story always brings us back here to Nicaragua an embattled country, still trying to get over the earthquake, still trying to get past the revolution, which produced its own political heroes and martyrs. But you have to understand there's only been one idolo, one idol. Alexis Arguello is their national hero. And despite the millions, the Mercedes, the yacht, all the trappings of American success, Arguello will never forget Nicaragua. In fact, he will never forget this place, the ring where he had his very first professional fight. And back then, it was a basic struggle for survival. So there he is, working for something nobody has done before. Four titles. And in his black and white world, confident, he'll get it. Pat O'Brien, CBS Sports.
4: You know, I was with Alexis and where he had the fight, the first fight. He took me to all the different places in, in Managua, Nicaragua, when I was down there with him. Of course, I went down there because of the fact that he talked on this show about committing suicide. And this was like nineteen ninety-nine and of course he was having some cocaine issues. His wife, Patricia Barreto, she was a nice lady. She came on the show and she said, you know, Alexis is smoking something out of a can, a Coca-Cola can. So she doesn't she goes, he thinks she thought he was smoking Coke because it was a Coke can. Well, yeah, he was smoking. He was smoking crack. But the bottom line is, of course, Alexis denied it. I went down to Nicaragua with the blessings of Don Jose Suleiman, the president of the World Boxing Council, and thirty thousand dollars. Suleiman gave me thirty thousand bucks. I said, "Go down there, get Alexis, take him to the United States, put him in rehab, rent a house for him in San Francisco. I'm putting you in charge of Alexis Arguello. You got to go down there and help El El Flaco Explosivo, please, Pedro." because he's the only one made you, he'll listen to you maybe so I went down there hoping that he would listen to me in fact we you know we spent a week together and I did all kinds of crazy stuff down there we had fun went to strippers and this you know, stuff that guys do and then um then it came like the night before I was going to leave. The day before I was leaving, we had this confrontation together. In other words, when I mean confrontation, is I brought the, his priest and Miss Barretto who was Mrs. Arguello at the time, beautiful lady. He, his kid was there. We put the kid in the other room. Brought like three or four of his close friends, and then it was we all confronted him over the cocaine. And he said, "Look, I'm not a junkie. I'm not a junkie." He kept screaming, Pedro I'm not a junkie. I don't have a needle." but he was smoking crack cocaine. He couldn't tie it the two together, okay? And then, of course, he said he sent me on my way. He took me to the airport the next day and, you know, put his hand on my shoulder, gave me a hug, this and that, and then I saw him mm, about a year later. But before I saw him a year later, he was arrested on New Year's Eve for drunk driving by the Nicaraguan government. It told him either you go to rehab or you go to jail. He went to rehab, and when I saw him about nine or ten months later at the International Boxing Hall of Fame in Kansas City, New York, you know what he told me? He told me, Pedro, you saved my life. Right on, Alexis. You're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. I hope that you understand
22: that that one single person, not one single committee can do anything for the It is absolutely necessary that we all get together. We work together. We respect each other. We like and love each other.
3: You're listening to Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Brought to you by the World Boxing Council, the WBC. Right here on SportsBio.
17: Do you have a home that you don't want anymore?
10: 855-325-1780
2: That's 855-325-1780 Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro
4: Fernandez
15: Good to see you still alive I think I like you
4: Want to thank FightHype.com for that Benavides clip and of course CBS Sports for the Alexis Arguel tribute there of course You know, Alexis, I didn't talk about his demise I'll stay away from that Stay away from that. But the bottom line is the hardest he was ever hit in his entire life was by Andy Gannigan. Andy Gannigan was considered one of the top 50 punches in the history of boxing, according to Ring Magazine a few years ago. Anyway, Andy Ganigan was a Hawaiian puncher, a southpaw. Again, a southpaw. He got hit the hardest by a southpaw. I got to hit his heart hit the hardest by a southpaw, Ernie Chavez. Pat Lawler got to hit hit the hardest by Joe Calzaghe, a southpaw. I'm telling you, when you get hit from the opposite side, it seems like it's a whole lot harder. Now, next week, Demetrius Andrade and Jason Quigley, the WB 160-pound title. Terrence is going to go on the 20th, of course, with Sean Porter. That's going to be on pay-per-view. Um, and what am I looking for the rest of the schedule? Of course. The man, Teofimo Lopez. Is he the man or is he the girl? Is he the boy? What's he gonna do? Is he gonna defend at 135 or is he gonna be a puss and run to 140? Bottom line is he puts his undefeated title on the line against George Cambosis November 27th on the zone. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. If you're joining me for the very first time, let me welcome you to the Ring Talk family. If you're new, you've been around 37, 38 plus years now. You know what time it is. Thank you so much for your time. Don't forget, we are now coming to you live on VTV. Hello, VTV. It ain't easy to-